Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. This guy loses big time. He loses. Not willing to give up his stuff, which is temporary anyway. When rich people die, they die broke. And their families fight. That's what happens. Nobody dies rich. Uh, Greg Laurie has said death is a great equalizer. Why? Because at death, everybody's the same. Only one thing matters. When you die, you're not rich, poor, skinny, fat, pretty, ugly. When you die, you're saved or lost. That's it. You can spend this life working on all those other things. But when you die, you're saved or lost. The Bible tells you that as a Christian, you are to walk by faith and not by sight. Pastor Bill, in his message today, wants you to know that you have something that this world just doesn't understand. You have Jesus. When you breathe your last breath, nothing else matters. Because you believe in Jesus, you will never die. When you know that in your heart, that old hymn comes alive, the one that says, the things of earth go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 18 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. And God said, you know what, I don't give you any of that, but you're going to have me. And you're going to be busy at church. You're going to serve me, but you're going to have me. We're going to have something so special. We're going to work so closely that you're going to hear from me like they don't hear from me like you're going to hear from me. It's going to be different. And you're going to have purpose and something that matters. You're going to be part of ministering to them and all their stuff. But I got a, a special purpose for you. How many of us are okay with that? How many of us would be, God, I'd I trade the stuff to have you, Lord. I'd rather be on this team anyway. Well, verse 20, they didn't get to pick him. He picked them. They didn't get to choose. But God told these groupies, you don't get land. You don't get stuff. You get me. I'm your inheritance. And again, I believe that all believers need to be in a place where that would be the best, where that's what we would want the most. And unlike them, we all have that option. I have Jesus and I can choose to be glad, to rejoice in what I have, or I can be dissatisfied. Even though I have Jesus, I can be lusting after everybody else and what they have. They got one of those. I want one of those. And I got to walk away from God to pursue getting one. I want to have my piece of that. And I got to walk away from my calling in God to pursue having that. Be careful. We got Jesus. We have the Lord. And there's nothing greater than that. And there are people with millions of dollars and all kinds of stuff. And they don't have the Lord. And when we die, that's like if we could just have eternal vision, that's when everything's going to be seen so clear. Then we'll know there will be people that they had so much. They have so little. In Revelation, there was a group that they said, we're rich. We have need of nothing. We're self-sufficient. But you know what God's perspective was? That you're poor, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, and you need me. We don't want to be that. I want to be over here clothed in his righteousness and satisfied in him. Amen? And so we need to all fight off the desire to have and to be like the world when God has made something so much greater available to us in him. Amen. Amen. Verse 21 now, 21 to 24, it says, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes of Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Verse 24. 
for the tithe of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord. I have given them to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. And God is just kind of nailing this point home. He said it three different times. I told them they have no inheritance. They have no inheritance. They have no inheritance because they have me. And it's far greater. And as he lists here, the things that were going to be provided, what God was going to continue to do for them. He says, now there's a difference being made that the people are not going to be able to come near to the tabernacle. The people of the Israelites, they're not going to be able to enter in. He says, this is just set apart place for the priests and the Levites. They have special access. And the people are not to come near. If they do, they'll die. And if you guys were here a few weeks back, it was Korah, uh, Dathan, Abiram. They learned that lesson the hard way. You know, you remember they were complaining against Moses and they, wow, we could do it too. You, How come you guys think you special? And God opened up the ground and swallowed them whole and they were no more. And so God said, there's a limitation on how far you guys are going to be able to go. I have people taking care of that. And that was God's law. That's what he established. He had laws in place that would protect the work. Anybody couldn't just mosey on up in there. God said, this is a holy thing. And there are things that are going to be set apart. There are things that are for the priest that the Levites can't do. There are things that the Levites are going to do that the other group can't do. And there are things that the Israelites are supposed to do. That's their part. And I want to point this out. We talked about it last time, but I got to say it again. Everybody needs to stay in their lane and do their part. Israelites can't be trying to be Levites. They're Israelites. They have a part to play and they need to do that part. Levites can't be trying to be priests. They have a role as Levites and priests can't try to do the other job. They have a focus and a function as well. So too, you and I, right? There's something that God has gifted you, called you uniquely to do. And you want to be faithful to do that and not be going after trying to be 10 things that you can't be for his glory. When God has said, I've given you this to do for my glory. And so it's like every other Bible study, I'm encouraging people to really seek God for what he has for them. Because you know what? There's a lot of Christians wasting this life. They're saved. They're going to go to heaven, but they're not going to be much to show for it. They're not going to be much left down here to show for it. And yet they are Christians that live so thoroughly for the Lord that they die. And they're just a trail of fruit. You look behind them and it's just fruit upon fruit upon fruit. What about you? You died today. God forbid. What's your legacy? What's left behind? You know what's left behind? What you live for. And if you live for the Lord, there'll be something behind. There'll be kids or grandkids, nephews, cousins, people, family, neighbors. There'll be something left behind. What did you live for? I had the privilege over my time as a pastor to do many funerals. And I've done funerals for some awesome believers. And you know what? When you do a funeral for someone that's lived for the Lord for a long time, by the time you get up to preach... Everybody that's gone up already and shared, they've not already preached. You just go and give an invitation. I mean, their life preached one after the other person coming up saying how they were led to the Lord, how they were strengthened, how they did this, they did that and the other. But I've been to other funerals where people were supposed to have been Christian. And as their friends and people come up and you listen, you think, man, I don't know. I got invited to do a funeral for a guy and I didn't know him. And so you have to kind of go off of what the family tells you. You sit down and say, oh, he was a believer. You know, he went to this church and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, okay, well, you know, from what I can gather, it looks like maybe there was something. But as I sat there at the funeral and everybody got up, this is before I go preach. Everybody that came up said, this is what their testimony was. The guy made homegrown weed and homegrown wine. And that's what he was known. That was his legacy. He made the best 
wine. He made the best such and such one after the other after the other. And I thought, I sure can't go up and preach his life. So I'm going to just preach the Bible. There was nothing preachable from that life. And it left a big question for me. I wonder. I wonder, you know, so don't let your life be a question. Uh, there ought to be fruit that remains for all of us as we just live for the Lord. It's not even something you got to try to do. You know, fruit, it just comes. As you live for the Lord, as you stay abiding in the vine, there'll just be fruit. It'll just be coming. It won't be something you strain. I tried really hard to make all this. You just stay connected and you'll look behind you and there'll be fruit in your kids, in your family, in neighbors, and people that you've met over the years. There'll be fruit that trails you as you continue moving forward. Look at verses 25 to 29. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak thus to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the children of Israel, the tithes, which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, um, a tenth of a tithe and your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor. And as the fullness of the wine press, thus you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel. And you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron, the priest. Verse 29 of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from all the best of them, the consecrated parts of them. So here's what we get in this section here. No one was exempt from giving the priests and Levites. They gave back too. Um, so too in the church, right? If you serve in the church, pastor, minister, whatever, and you receive income from the church, you can't say, well, I give my time. No, no, everybody gives back. Everybody gives. Everybody that receives from the Lord gives back to the Lord. So too here, they were to give back. When they received the heave, they were to give it back as a heave offering, which is interesting. The heave offering, if you can picture it, the idea was them, they were throwing it up to the Lord. It's like having an offering saying, God, just, mm, just, I'm throwing it up, just, I'm glad to give it. I'm throwing it up and worship to the Lord. That was the heave offering. It wasn't something they did begrudgingly. It wasn't like they were trying to, you know, hold back as little. They were just heaving over to the Lord. And they were, so leaders gave too. They were all still bringing their best and the heave offering. They were giving this up joyfully to the Lord, which it would remind me of 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where God says, it's just to let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That verse is important. God says, look, don't give grudgingly. You might as well keep it. Don't give of necessity. I have to. I have to do this. Um, God, if you're going to give like that, he says, keep it. He said, but I want you to give it to me cheerfully. I want you to be glad to give back to me. Everything you have is mine anyway. And you'd be glad you get to keep some. But I want you to give it to me gladly. If you can't give it to God gladly, there's some work God needs to do on you. So you can't. And so God says, that's what he loves. That's what blesses him. And so again, the Levites and the priests, they were giving this. It was a heave offering back to the Lord of the best. And once again, with regard to giving, God is not after our stuff. He's after our hearts. And that's really what it's about. God's not interested in my stuff. He wants me. And like we mentioned earlier, it's from Matthew 5, 21, that where my treasure is, that's where my heart's going to be. And so God said, I want you to get good at giving. Just give to me. If you're writing notes, write down Matthew 19, 16 through 22. There's a story there of the rich young ruler. And this man came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus said, you know, you know the law, what's written in the law. And he says, yeah, I've, been, I've kept the law since my youth. And he says, okay, well, you got one thing you lack, right? Because Jesus could see through this guy's heart. And he was rich. He says, there's one thing you lack. 
There's something going to keep you from following me. And Jesus told him this. He said, I want you to go sell everything you have. I don't want to give it to the poor and then come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. And it says that he went away sorrowful for he had many riches. You know, the problem there is Jesus put a finger on something. He says, what do I need to do? Jesus said, you know the law, you know the rules, you know all the stuff, but something else is on the throne of your heart that's going to keep you from me. Give it all away because that's where your treasure is right now. Your treasure is in your stuff. So give your stuff to the poor. You have treasure in heaven where it counts anyway, and then come on and follow me. And he didn't do it. His story ends right there. He said, mm, had a lot of stuff, can't do it. And so I would challenge all of us, right? If there anything in our heart, and our life that we love so much that God said, give me that, that we would say, no, nah, nah, can't give you that, right? There should be nothing, right? He should be at that level where there's nothing that he can say, I want that, that you would say, nah, nah, I love that more than I love you, um, that we would just give those things up. I love you the most. Uh, there isn't a treasure greater than you in my life. And so when God told the rich young ruler that, once again, was God after his riches? No, God was saying, I see what's getting in the way in your heart while we can't have a relationship. Right now, I'm telling you why you can't follow me, even though you know the law and you, you know the scriptures and you know the rules. I, you know that you can say the right. You gave all the right answers, but I'm putting a finger on your heart. There's still something there that you love more than me. That's why you're not following me. And that can be true for people here that we know the word. We know the right answers. We know the verses. We know the scriptures. We know what to say when asked. But the Holy Spirit would say that keeping you from me. Dump that. This guy loses big time. He loses. Not willing to give up his stuff, which is temporary anyway. When rich people die, they die broke. And their families fight. That's what happens. Nobody dies rich. Uh, Greg Laurie has said death is a great equalizer. Why? Because at death, everybody's the same. Only one thing matters. When you die, you're not rich, poor, skinny, fat, pretty, ugly. When you die, you're saved or lost. That's it. You can spend this life working on all those other things. When you die, you're saved or lost, heaven or hell, child of God, child of Satan. That's it. And so God forbid that something on this earth would keep us out of heaven. Amen. And so that was the issue with the rich young ruler. And once again, again, I know that God's he doesn't need our stuff. It's always for us. It's good for me to give. It's a healthy habit for all of us that we be givers and not just to the Lord, that we be people, the church, Christians. We should be benevolent to the poor. We should be looking out for the needs of others. And I believe that God is into that. I know that we could lose sight of sometimes the things that really matter. And we could be coveting and going after. And it's healthy for us to give. It glorifies God, but it's good for your heart as well. You hold these things a little looser when you get into the habit of giving to the Lord and even giving to other people as the Lord leads us. So last part. Therefore, 32, 32, therefore, you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine press. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it, but you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. And so the last few things here, God said what they are receiving, he said, this is your reward. What that means is your wage. And God said, you know, it's right that you receive this. This is your wage for the service that you perform. And I just want to say this. This is something I've struggled with. So I'm being honest or being transparent with you guys here. 
because of the abuses in churches for money, um, I've been very reluctant to speak about it. And now earlier on, we first started the church. I just would avoid it altogether. And it was almost like I just don't want to be associated with that. So I didn't. And God, in his own way, kept forcing the issue. You know, when we first started the church, we were at Morningside for you guys over there. And you know what I said at Morningside? We're not going to take up offering. We have an agape box in the back and people can give on their way out. But I'm just not going to make giving. That's I want to give the word to people. That was the goal. Just let's feed them. Let's miss. See what God does through that. The goal is not going to be how much we can get or people can give. And so we had that thing in the back and, you know, giving was very minuscule at that period. So were the numbers, you know, but it wasn't very much in there. But on one Sunday, we were there and uh, for you guys that were there that Sunday, everybody would normally give on the way out if they were going to give. And the thing was out in the foyer area and Jim said, hey, Bill, you know, somebody move the offering thing. And we joke around a lot. So I'm like, good plan, man. He said, no, it's gone. And this thing was not as big as the pulpit, but it was a piece of wood that thick with a pillar at the bottom and a big box on the top that locked. Somebody had come in, grabbed his shoulder, and walked it out and stole it. It was gone. Now, here goes the blessing, right? Everybody coming out hadn't given yet. Only one person had given. And he said, I think I'm the only one that gave. And just so you don't regret it, I only gave $3. So, <laughs> And everybody put their money in a manila envelope. And, and from that point, we started collecting tithes and offerings. And it was the first week that we collected tithes and offerings that the money was enough to pay the rent. So up until that point, we were living off of the generosity of the church that sent us out, Calvary Downey. We weren't making it ourselves. But the first week that we collected tithes and offerings was the first week that we were able to like, oh, if this keeps this way, we can pay our own way. And so that's how the Lord did it then. Then as we were going for a little longer with the church, we would collect tithes and offering on Sundays and you know so forth and so on. But I still had not really spoken on it. And for the amount of people that we had giving was it wasn't enough. We were struggling a lot. And I talked to pastors that I'm accountable to and they're like, well, have you taught on it? I'm like, no, I just, you know, well, you got to teach on it. You know, there's like, you know, you want a church full of people fornicating? No, you teach on it. So people feel, so they know better. You know, it's like, if you don't teach on it, then the only teaching they have on it is bad. So you got to, you have to teach on it. And I remember the first time I did, it was so uncomfortable. Some of y'all remember, it was, it was, it was bad. It wasn't even a good message. It was, uh, I stumbled, I struggled. I'm a lot more comfortable now, but I was a struggle. Uh, you know, and it's just because in my mind I had to give you I'm, I'm not that. And I just want us to understand this, that just because there are some men and women and people that abuse the things of God, I can't let them control what's right and wrong. Like, it's still correct in the Lord that we worship him and give him. And even though people abuse it and they do it wrong and they, they go buy big cars and they do all kind of crazy stuff, they're going to have their day to deal with that. But we still got to do what we're supposed to do because it's right in his sight. Amen. And so I've had to grow up in that area where I need to be able to teach that boldly. I teach everything else boldly, but I would come to that and be like, mm-hmm, Mary, well, you should probably if, if the Lord moves on your heart really, really strong, you know, and, and I, I realize now that even that that was a sin that was being unfaithful to the word. And so all of the word need to be given out with boldness and clarity. And and I, I thank God just I'm understanding better as we continue forward. So. The, the wage, their reward, God said, this is what I made available to you guys. They still had to give their best. I didn't have time to go into it, but if you guys remember Cain and Abel, one of them gave their best and the other one didn't. One was received and one wasn't. That's important to note that 
you know, you could give in a way that God's like, I don't even bless that kind of giving. You know, you're giving begrudgingly or, you're, you know, it's not even blessable. It's not, it doesn't even glorify me. It doesn't please me. It's kind of like for you married couples. If your spouse does something for you and you see that they thought of you and they just, but you see that, I mean, they just went all out of their way and they, their intent was just to bless you and they sacrificed. And, you know, if you receive a gift like that, it feels good. It's like, well, you thought of me, did all that, you know. But if, you know, if you got to receive a gift and it's like, well, you know, they tell you how hard, you know, well, it really was hard and I didn't feel like it. You really didn't deserve it anyway. But, you know, here, have Valentine's Day, <laughs> you know, don't nobody want that mess. You know, don't nobody want no mess like that. We've been made in his image. So I just need y'all to know that he don't want no mess like that either. So don't be given to God like that. Last thing, they were not to profane. Uh, now, this goes on to the leaders. This would apply to, I think, for like those in charge of the funds. The Levites, the priests and the Levites, those that were receiving it, they were not to profane it. And what does that mean? Again, that's what Eli's sons did. They profaned it. They profaned the offerings of the Lord. They were unfaithful with what God gave and God killed them for it. And so God's serious about that. I take that serious on my end, right? You can't play with God's resources. They're his. They're for his work. They're for, they're to accomplish his will. They're not to be manage it wrong. If you do, you got to deal with him. It was given to him. So I, I look at the money given in the church. That money was given to the Lord. Now we pray about what we're going to do with it, but it was given to God. It wasn't given to me or to the group of people that are responsible. It was given to God. So God has to be sought about how we're going to spend money that was given to him so we don't profane it, so that we're not irresponsible at what he's done. I mean, again, Eli's sons were worse than that. They abused completely what God had done, and they got punished severely for it. So as we wrap this up and we're done with this chapter tonight, I would summarize it with a couple of things for us. Two things that are woven through the chapter. One is that everybody has a part to play in the work of God in the Old Testament and the New. The Israelites had a part, the Levites had a part, the priests had a part. God and everybody had a part that they needed to be faithful with. You and me and everybody here that's born again have a part, and we need to be faithful to do our part to the Lord. Second, if you can't miss it in this chapter, is everybody was supposed to give back. As they received from the Lord, they were to give to the Lord. Everything that they received came from him. They were to give back to him joyfully. So are we. Which in view here is giving financially, giving of their resource to the Lord. But I would always add, not just your resources. You know, you can give stuff to the Lord and not give yourself. He wants you. And yeah, he wants you to give, but God wants your heart. God wants your time. God wants your gifts and your talents. He wants the whole package. He didn't die for my finances only. He died to have all of me. And so I've been purchased at the price of the blood of Christ. And so have you. And he wants all of us. And so... Everybody here, I mean, I challenge us as we take this to heart that we'd all consider, you know, what our worship looks like to the Lord. Am I giving him my best? Am I giving him what's left? Or if I giving God nothing at all? And hopefully we can all kind of turn things around and be in a place where we're giving our very best to the Lord. Amen. Father, thank you for your word to us. And um, we thank you, Lord, for the examples, the lessons, the just how you minister to us, Lord, your truths. God, I pray for myself and everybody present that you'd help us to heed your word, God, that we wouldn't just hear it, but that we would also do it. And that, God, this would be a transforming word, God, changing how we think, changing how we view things. Uh, that, God, we would be um, like the Levites, God. They, they didn't have stuff, but they had you. 
God, I pray that we would all be so blessed and so thankful that we have you and that you have us, Lord. We thank you. Go before our time of communion and just remembering your sacrifice. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.